0: Hello, this is Scott Gents. Welcome to Sandbox Stories. Sandbox Story 8, Born Out of the Ashes. When something is said to be born out of the ashes, it means to see something positive result from a negative event. In the infinite feedback loop of life, this happens all the time. It can be literal when new tree sprigs arise from the forest floor after wildfires turn everything to ash, or when a home or business is rebuilt where a catastrophic building blaze occurs. But more often, we say that ideas, concepts, or products are born out of the ashes. An example is about Black & Decker. By 1972, their power tool business that had been successful since World War II was being incredibly eroded. They needed to innovate as their core business revenue was being stolen by low-cost foreign competitors. They were on the brink of failure. Earlier in the space race of the 1960s, They had become a preferred partner to NASA to build cordless, battery-powered devices for use in space. They had to be torqueless for use in zero gravity. With GE perfecting the rechargeable battery side, they began to perfect a modular, handled product that could benefit from the efficient, cordless approach in space. So in the mid-1970s, Black & Decker grabbed their 1960s NASA product, the cordless battery handle, and went to market with it attaching it to different equipment heads, a grass shear, a drill, a shrub trimmer, and a lantern. Then they added a small vacuum called the spot vac. But the market didn't want modular multi-use products. People loved the rechargeable devices, but wanted to buy separate products for each household task. They hone in on 1977 market research, showing that 92% of women surveyed about the modular product were highly satisfied with one particular piece, the SpotVac. Further investigation showed that 50,000 units could be sold. So an investment was made and they hired a design chief who had been at Hoover. The result in design, brand and product was the Dustbuster. Just two years later, there were millions of Dustbusters and these little handheld portable devices were ranked as more preferred in the household than a toaster oven and a coffee maker. The dustbuster, born out of the ashes. While I like to look at the positive side of things, when you find negative situations, you can always try to figure out how they make you better. In the eye care profession, we deliver negative interactions from time to time, but I suspect we're too close to the situations to really see them for the insights they can offer. When we are consumers in the world outside of our businesses, however, we see it all clearly. And I'm befuddled by how little is done to rectify them. Some recent ones that I've experienced, and maybe you have too, include walking into a Starbucks to pick up a drink that was mobile ordered, but it doesn't show up for 10 minutes, and no one behind the counter seems to care that you are there. Or signing a lease for an apartment for a college-age student, then finding filth and disrepair in the unit upon move Or sitting on hold for 45 minutes or an hour with your internet or TV provider to try to do some sort of troubleshooting that they otherwise tell you can be found on their website when it really can't. Or having a small home project thrown out of whack by a skilled laborer who completely misinstalls a cupboard or a countertop or a tile backsplash, requiring it all to be taken out and the project to be extended again. In each of these, there is a parallel to occurrences in our practices, and it's the customer experience that matters, not the excuse for how it happened. The notion that we are in a consumer economy is not really what most of us experience. From these negative interactions or outcomes, we want to believe that there is someone, anyone, who cares enough to make it right, to respect our time, and to deliver value for the fees we pay them. And that's exactly how our patients feel. So what happens in your practice when the doctor enters the exam room 15 minutes late? How about sitting squarely to the patient, telling them you are sorry for the inconvenience you caused them, and hoping they will still value your professional care? Or when a chirpy staffer has commented to a patient that things are hard right now or we're really understaffed, do you correct that with the patient by saying, we really don't aspire to air our business challenges to you? we just want to take great care of you. And do you nip this behavior with the employee or do you just let it go? How about when your capture rate is down to 20% but your average order value is up at $800? Do you actually take the time to think about how your systems and the influences of your advisors, including optical companies, consultants, and peer groups, might be driving you toward biased approaches to which products you sell? I recommend that you actually look at the practice data and plan to expand your work with more of your patients by implementing product diversity that matches more like 80% of your patients' wants, needs, and ability to spend. The moral of the story is that you have an opportunity to rise from the ashes, even if there aren't total failures at your feet. But just like Black & Decker, you can't wait for total failure before you find a new way. Consider accepting more modest profits for sale of reasonably priced products. Be selective with the new diagnostic and treatment equipment you implement, not just because health insurance and Medicare will pay for it. And expand your therapeutic footprint to treat vision conditions you haven't before, like amblyopia or symptoms related to traumatic brain injury. It's all there before you, waiting for you to open your eyes and see it born out of the ashes. Until my next sandbox story, be great at all you do.